we're going to begin today a new series, and um, it's it's inspired really by uh, the fact that this year marks the 500th anniversary of the beginning of what we know of today as the Protestant Reformation. And if I were to ask most evangelical Christians, are you a Catholic or a Protestant? They would say, well, well I'm a Protestant. And then if I were to ask, well, what are you protesting? Um, the Catholic Church, that's right. That's probably as far as we could get. And while there were many things and many issues and, and, and many uh, uh, doctrines and different things that, that we could look at and could examine, what happened in the, in the 1500s has been summarized by five major foundational doctrines. And these five major foundational doctrines are not just uh, an issue of historical theology. And so I'm going to say very little as we go through this series. This, this isn't a comparative series that, that this is a distinctive between what Catholics believe and what Protestants believe. We could do that. We've done that some on Sunday nights as we've looked at, at church history. But my emphasis, what I want to say is, is that these five foundations, these five things, not only were about an argument 500 years ago, but they still today are five essential foundations on which the church of Jesus Christ stands or falls. And even today in in our day, all five of these matters are to be contended for and are in many ways still in jeopardy. In jeopardy even by other Protestants, other denominations, other groups, there has been uh, a de-emphasis or a change, and I'm of the opinion that looking at these five foundational things, these, these five things that have been summarized from this, this period of time, that today they should be emphasized as greatly as ever. Because upon these five things, again, the church stands or the church falls by the way in what Jesus Christ has commanded us to do, in what Scripture lays out for us to do. And so if you, if you have, um, well, let me, let me keep going here. There's, these five things are that salvation, is, that salvation comes to us by, that the church is built on, these Five things. First of all, is by Scripture. Um, in Latin, these are called the five solas. Sola means only. It means uh, primary. And so, in Latin, it is sola scriptura. By by Scripture alone, do we have the authority of the Word of God? Not by councils, not by popes, not by tradition, not even by what the pastor says but through the Holy Spirit giving the Word of God, on the Word of God, we stand, right? We teach our children the, the, the little thing, the, the B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the book for me. I stand alone on the Word of God. The B-I-B-L-E. 
And part of that is, is Scripture alone. That's what we're saying when we, when we teach our children that song. When we hear them say that, we are instilling in them that by the Word of God, by Scripture alone, right? We, we, we know the quip, the Bible says it, that settles it, right? I must do it. Okay? All of these things are built upon what I want you to see, the Word of God. The Word of God as the primary source as the only authoritative source that we have. It doesn't mean that God doesn't use other sources. There are other sources in which God ministers to us by and other sources in which we learn by. Obviously, God has instilled leadership in the church, pastors and teachers, and so long as they are expounding and teaching what the Word of God says, it's a, it's a good influence on our life, Right? But if it comes down to what I say and what Scripture says, and they're two far different things, please pick Scripture. Because that is authoritative. Okay? Do you see where I'm going? The Holy Spirit speaks to us. He does. He leads us. He guides us. But the primary way that if you want to know what God has to say to you, it's not to, to get in a closet and start a chant. Even in prayer, prayer is good and God ministers to us, but the primary way that God speaks to us is how? Through His Word. Through His Word. And you see, the way that we... It's one thing to say that the Bible is the Word of God. It's another thing if in our practice and if in our life it reveals that we truly believe that the Bible is the Word of God. Does that make sense? And so we live in a day, in an age, even again amongst Protestants where the Bible is contended for in the church. It's compromised in many ways. In some circles of evangelicalism today, you have redefining of the Bible. And so they go and they say, yes, the church has always understood the Bible to say this, but because of history and because of what we've learned, we really don't need this, or we think that the Bible should really mean this when it says this, and this is what the church has always believed. There's a redefinition, an adding to, or taking away of God's Word. Another sense in which we see uh, the Bible and, and the contention for the authority of the Bible is in preaching. In preaching. In, in many churches, the Bible is referenced. It's not preached. So there might be a highlight verse that, that's taken off and a principle from this verse, and, and that's all that's done. But the Bible is never dug into. The Bible is never expounded. The Bible is never let to speak for itself. That makes a difference with what you feel the Word of God is, right? One of the, one of the best quotes on preaching uh, that's, that stuck with me comes from a pastor, a uh, Baptist pastor in the uh, Washington, D.C. area. His name is Mark Dever. And Mark Dever said, um, and he didn't write this. I heard it at a conference. I wish he'd written it because now I can't ever reference it except it comes from my memory. But he said to the, to the effect that the most important part of preaching is not what you say, it's why you say what you say. So in preaching, I could come to you and say, you know, I want everybody to be a better husband. And so I'm going to look to the Word and I'm going to find ten tips to be a better husband. I've got my sermon ready before I even come to the Bible. It's just backing me up, 
right? We've heard these messages. We've, we've, we've gone to that before. We've, we've seen preaching before where we go, wow, I, how, did he, how did he ever get that out of that? I've never seen that there before. Well, there's a reason why the magician pulls the rabbit out of the hat. It's because he put the rabbit in the hat to begin with. There's a difference in preaching like that and there's a difference in preaching where you expound and you go verse by verse through the Bible. You let the Bible speak. You say what it says. You are ruled and guided by what it says. And for the church, for us to understand this principle of Scripture alone, Scripture alone as the primary source and the authority within our life, it should not just be something that we say, I stand alone on the Word of God, the B-I-B-L-E. It should be something that in our soul, in our heart, in our mind, we contend for to say, this is God's Word. This is my authority. This is what I live by. Do you see the difference? So if you would, look with me. There, there are so many passages. Um, I, could, I could do this introduction for six hours on this topic, but I'm going to try to get into this passage, especially since I've just <laughs> set it up this way. There's so many passages that we could pick from to expound about what the Word of God says about itself or the testimonies given to the Word of God about what it is. All of Psalm 119 is about the Word of God. And we ain't got time for that one. But I want us to look at Psalm 19 this morning. And particularly in Psalm 19, verses 7 through 11. Verses 7 through 11. So if you have that, let me read for you. This is God's Word. It says, The law of the Lord is perfect. Reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. And the rules of the Lord are true, righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold. Even much fine gold, sweeter also than the honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. Would you pray with me? Father, I pray that this morning you would open our eyes and our hearts to the treasure that we hold in our hands. That you would show us that this is not just a book. This is not just a compilation of writings. This is not just wise words of wisdom. But Father, you have spoken. You have spoken to your creation. The creature has been given the words of its creator and may we seek to treasure them, to to know them, and to do your word. Father, I pray this morning for each here. Would you open our eyes, open our hearts, open our minds to your word that we may be a people of your word. Show us where we failed. Encourage us where you want us to go. 
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In this text, there are three primary things that I want us to uh, look at today. There are three primary um, summaries that we have about the Word of God and about the importance of Scripture in our life, the importance of of Scripture. And the first thing that I want you to see uh, should be a simple point, but one that we should be reminded of, and that is that the Scripture, the Bible, is the Word of God. It is the Word of the Lord. It's God's Word. Listen again here in Psalm 19, what David says about the Word of God. It's unmistakable. There's six references, this repetition here in verse 7. The, the law of the Lord, the testimony of the Lord, the precepts of the Lord, the commandment of the Lord, the fear of the Lord, precepts of the Lord. Six times he uses this phrase over and over and over again, of the Lord. The God who created all things. The one who always has been. The I am. The one who has all knowledge. All power. He's spoken to us. When you read the Bible, it is not the writings of a a wise man. When you read the Bible, it's not a historical, time-tested code of morality. When you read the Bible, you read the very words of God. We take that for granted, don't we? We forget about that. We forget about the importance of what the Bible is. Of, of, of Literally, when we say that it's the Word of God, we are saying that God is speaking to us as though He was in the room with us as we read through the Word of God. It changes things when we think about it like that, doesn't it? It's not just a, a book that we keep on the dashboard, right? You can always tell the people that go to church because they got their Bible sitting on the dashboard. I'm guilty of it too. All right. The more that I use digital devices, the less I actually look at paper pages. And so there's some Sundays where I'm going to Krista, where is my Bible? It's not because I haven't studied the Bible, it's just because I, the paper version I don't use as much as I used to. So we have dashboard Bibles, right? When we begin to, to, to realize the treasure that we have, that God has spoken to us, that this is the Word of God. Who... Who who wants God to speak to them? Who wants to know about God? Who wants to know about their Creator? Who wants to know about why they're here, what they're to do, what their purpose is? We all do. Where do we find that? If we're wise, we look to the One who's over all of it. To our Creator, to God Himself. And where do we find that knowledge? Do we go to a rock? Do we look in a cloud? Do we look inside of ourselves? Do we look primarily to nature? You know, some things might reveal God's attributes. We can, we can look to the sky and, and we can see order and we can see precision. We can look to the stars and have this immense depth that, that there is something greater than us, right? The Bible says that all of these were put there for a purpose that God might be revealed through nature. But can we understand God's attributes? Can we understand who He is? Can we know of His redemption and His plan for us in Jesus Christ by looking at these things? No. Where do we find such knowledge? In His Word. In His Word. So the first thing we see here is that that Scripture is the Word of the Lord. And the New Testament 
The New Testament even goes uh, further with this. One of my favorite passages is in 2 Timothy 3.16. And it says, For all Scripture is God-breathed. You might have inspired and is profitable. And Paul goes on to write to Timothy about the importance of God's Word. But what I want you to see is that in the, in the Greek here, Paul has done something very, very interesting when Paul talks, when Paul says, all right, I want to explain to Timothy what God's word is. He makes up a new word. It's a word we only find in the Bible, in the Greek New Testament. He calls the word of God that, that where it says inspired or it says God breathed. It's literally God breathed, the breath of God, theonumatos. The breath of God is what Paul writes to Timothy to explain what Scripture is. He wants Timothy to understand Scripture as being as though God is sitting in a room with you, speaking to you, and what you read on the pages is the sound of His voice. It carries the breath. Just as if you were standing before me right here, you could feel moisture and heat. Maybe some other things. That's my breath. That's my word. I'm saying these words. There's no doubt to it. So Paul writes to Timothy and says, the Scriptures, they are the very breath of God. They are God-breathed. When we say this is the Word of God, friends, don't pass over the importance of what that is. Don't, don't just say the Word of God. Stop and pause for a minute. This is the Word of God. The God of all creation speaks. And He has given us His Word. Uh, how do we get that? The New Testament talks about that also. The New Testament in Second Peter says that no prophecy of Scripture is a matter of one's interpretation. Because no prophecy ever came from the impulse of men, but men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. It's a very important passage when we go to understand what we're looking at as we're looking at the Bible. Because you might say, well, Pastor Bob, uh, we say that it's the Word of God, but, but men, how, how, how did we get it? If God used men to write it down, the book didn't just drop one day, published, ready to go. God used men to write it. You, you have Paul saying, I write this from my own hand. How, how then is it? Well, this passage explains to us. Through the work of the Holy Spirit, God allowed human authors to write, directed and guided by the Holy Spirit, so that and we, we have sections in the Bible that are thus saith the Lord, right? Direct quotes from Jesus, direct quotes and prophecies from God, where God has said, this is what it is, and they are quoting, right? But much of Scripture is not that. Much of Scripture is individuals writing, but they're not writing alone. It's not coming from their own heart and their own spirit. They're carried along by the Holy Spirit in a way that they're able to express and write, but the end product is just as God intended. So don't buy into this argument it was just written by man. To buy into that argument is to say that the word of the Lord lies about itself. Yeah. It doesn't give us that option. It tells us it's not scared of the fact of the way that it was communicated. It tells us precisely how the word of God came to be. It is the word 
of God. It is the Word of God. And friends, there, are, there is nothing in this world that can benefit you more than the Word of God. Yes. The words of man will never measure up to the Word of God. Newspapers, uh, magazines, articles, blog posts, books, whatever it is. Everything else is man's word. Do we understand that separation? Do we understand the importance that this should have in our life? In fact, David's going to talk about the Word of God or as, as a great treasure. This is the second point. That the Word of God is a great treasure. So the first thing that we recognize is that the Word of God, that the Bible is the Word of God. And the second thing that I want you to see is that the Word of God is a great treasure. What is it in your life that you value? Good question. What is it that you really value? I've lost everything in my life once, except for my tools. We had a house fire in 2014. Amen. And we lost everything. And you begin to really think about the things that you treasure, the things in your life that are of extreme value. And for us, our family was safe. We had the essentials that we need, and I had my tools. But what are the things that you treasure? What are the things in your life that you've sacrificed for? Your family? Your home? Perhaps a business? Perhaps it's, it's other possessions, things that you greatly enjoy, a, a car that you've rebuilt. I'm not saying that these things are wrong. But those things are things that we treasure. Those are important to us. We value them. Sometimes we value them more than what they should be valued. David says, of all the treasures in your life, the one that you possess in your hand is actually the greatest treasure you could ever find. Do we realize that? Do we think about the Bible that way? Now, if you go to the bookstore, some of the Bibles that they sell, they are great treasures. Right? Premium goat skin from two-year-old heifers, or I don't know. I don't know what they do, but I've seen like two hundred, three hundred dollar Bibles lately. Okay. But David says that the words in them are the greatest treasure. Look at look at what he says here. He says in verse 10 that they are to be desired more desired than gold. More desired than Fine gold. The idea of fine gold here is, is purely refined. You know, this isn't, this isn't fool's gold. <laughs> this is certified. You trust it. You know it's of value. So here's, here's the question. If you were given the option and on this pedestal set of bar of bullion, gold pure bullion, and on this side set the only Bible that you could ever get in your language. Which would you pick? One could make you rich in this world. One could make you rich forever. Oh, that we would see the value, the priority, the primacy of God's Word for what it is. Messages like this wake us up, right? We, we know these things. I know that you're not doubting this in this group. 
But it wakes us up to the value, the immense value that the Word of God should have in our heart, that we should treasure it, that we should rejoice that we get to know it. One of the things that came out of the Reformation was that people could actually read the Word of God in their own language. Martin Luther produced a scandal when he produced the New Testament in German. I read this morning in a Minno Simmons. He's the founder of the Mennonites, one of the reformers from the period. And, and his testimony was that he had become a priest in a church and he had never actually read the Bible. He was scared to because he was afraid that it would lead him astray. That's his own words. I think sometimes we're scared to read the Bible because we think it will lead us away from our sin. We got those things we like to hold on to that we know aren't wrong. But the Word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword and it pierces us. But when we understand that this is God's Word, it changes our relationship to the authority of God's Word. Right? If we say this is a book of, of, of good things to do, this will make me a good husband, this will make me you know, a better person, a better citizen then we look at those things as suggestions. When we look at this and we say, this is God's word, the creator of all things given to me, it's accurate, it's trustworthy, and it's pure. Then when I read something, it's not a suggestion. It's a command. How we feel about the God, God's word, what we understand, the reason why we go to it, what's in our heart, what's in our mind has immense, immense impact on what we do in life. Whether we take the Word of God as suggestions or we take the Word of God as timeless truth that is valuable, more valuable than any treasure that we could earn or receive in this world. David says, it is that kind of treasure. We in this world, though, we are often, often looking for uh, knowledge, looking for uh, wisdom outside of Scripture. Yeah. You know, it's like, uh, <laughs> it's like a, a child, when you teach them money, when they first start learning about money, and you offer them a penny or a dime, and they'll choose the penny because it's bigger, right? It looks better. And you try to teach them the dime is of more value. The dime is worth ten of the pennies. Friends, how much more is the Word of God worth than the wisdom of the world? More so than tenfold. It is an immeasurable treasure. So the first thing is that this word, the Bible, is the word of God. The second thing is, is that it's an immense treasure for us. The third thing is, is that the word of God works in our life. It is not idle in our life. The word of God is at work. It does something. God works through his word. He didn't just give us his word, say, read this and walk away. But it is through the word of God primarily that the Holy Spirit works in our life. Look at this text. The first thing that we can see here is that it brings life. It brings life. Verse 7, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. It brings life to our soul. 
Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but shall live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. I have, I have lost a lot of weight over this summer, and I've done so by not eating. <laughs> that's, that's, right? It's pretty simple, right? I changed my diet a lot, but I still eat. We all eat. Some of us love to eat, right? I just wake up. I don't wake up and think about the things I want to eat that day. I want to think about the things that I can't eat that day. I'm like, oh, I can't eat this anymore. I can't eat this. Amen. Our life revolves around food, right? We, we eat so that we can live. That's the way that God created us. So that by nourishment, our body transforms that into energy, and that energy then supplies our cells and, and allows us to move. It's basic. It's the fuel for us. Our soul is revived and lives by intaking the Word of God. Yes. It works in us. Friends, I, I, I say this Often, if you're daily not spending time with the Word of God, if you're daily not in the Word in some time, and I, I, I don't want to be overly, um, overly restrictive and say you have to read a chapter of the Bible or, or you have to read through the Bible in a year or you have to read all of Psalm 119 in one setting. Okay, I don't want to put those restrictions on you, but what I want to say is are you daily meditating, thinking on bringing the Word of God into your life in some way? Because if you're not, you're not eating. And spiritually, you're going to shrivel up. God works through His Word. Not only does God work through His Word in, in sustaining us as food sustains us, but God works through His Word in saving us, in bringing life to us. The Word of God is the means by which God works. And so if we try to do ministry without the Word of God, if we try to preach the Gospel without the Word of God, if we try to just summarize statements and thoughts about the Word of God is without proclaiming the actual Word of God, life will not be brought. People might respond to something, but that is not by which God works to bring life. All of us probably ha could have a, a testimony, especially if you were saved as an adult, of of a Bible verse that had a huge impact on you when you came and, and, and professed your faith in Jesus Christ. For me, I remember it was Luke eleven twenty seven. Blessed is he who hears the word of God and obeys it. And I realized the emptiness and the hole in my life because I had not accepted the word of God because I had lived a life not wanting to do what Christ wanted. And in that moment, God opened my heart. And he saved me. Martin Luther, the one who, by which the Reformation began, he, he says the same thing of Romans chapter 1, verse 16. It says, The righteousness of God is from faith for faith. As it is revealed, the righteous shall live by faith. Martin Luther writes and says, Though I'd lived as a monk without reproach, I felt that I was a sinner before God and, extremely and had an extremely disturbed conscience. I did not love. Yes, I hated righteousness. God who punishes sinners. Thus, I raged with fierce and troubled conscience. At last, by the mercy of God, meditating day and night, I gave heed to the context of the words. 
in it the righteousness of God is revealed. He through faith is righteous shall live. There I began to understand that the righteousness of God is that by which the righteous lives by a gift of God, namely by faith. And in this meaning, the righteousness of God is revealed by the gospel, namely the passive righteousness with which the merciful God justifies us by faith as he has written, he through faith is righteous shall live. There, I, Here I felt I was altogether born again, had entered paradise through open gates. In a lot of words he says, when I read this verse and I began to think about it God gave me life the word of God is not just a passive thing that we read it is the avenue by which the Holy Spirit often works greatly in our life if we cut that out we cut out God's working and revelation in our life do you see that Another thing that the, that the Word of God does is it brings wisdom. Verse 7, the testimony of the Lord is sure, making, the simple, making wise the simple. The second half of verse 8 says, the commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening one's eyes. Enlightening one's eyes. I like that phrase because logical things don't seem to make sense when we're in the dark. Okay? Logical things don't seem to make sense until you understand the perspective in which those things have happened. And for many, they look at the things that we've talked about. Why would you place your life on a 2,000, 4,000, 6,000 year old passage of Scripture? Why would that guide your moral decisions? Why would that influence uh, your pleasures in life? Why would that have impact? on relationships? Why would that have impact on what you do or what you don't do? It's because they're in the dark. The Bible itself says that, that those without the Spirit cannot discern the things of the Spirit. But for those who are spiritual, they can discern Friends, the Word of God, it enlightens us. It opens our eyes. By where else will you know what God wants you to do in your life? By where else will you understand the way that God has created things such as the family, such as marriage, such as sexual ethics? Do we look to ourselves? Do we look to our culture? Or do we look to the One who defined it and says, open your eyes for here is wisdom? That's why we point to Scripture. That's why in a culture that has gone awry morally, where everything goes, where whatever makes me happy is the right thing, we say, no, 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 no. God has spoken. It's not because we want to be mean. It's not because we want to restrict. It's because we say, this is the Word of the Lord. This is the Word of the Lord. It is enlightens us it brings us wisdom the last thing it brings us joy it brings us joy look at verse 8 the precepts of the lord are right rejoicing the heart and then at verse 10 the ordinance of the lord are sweeter than honey and drippings from the honeycomb the fact that it says here that the the word of god rejoices rejoices the heart 
that it is David wants to write about you know how can I say that the word of God is pleasurable that it brings joy to us and he says it is like fresh good dripping pure sweet honey okay for me right now it'd be like it's a fresh crispy cream hot and fresh right out the <laughs> okay He's saying it's good for you. Not only is it good for you, there's lots of things that are good for us that we don't enjoy. But he says it's good for you and you will enjoy it. Friends, this is our experience. If we submit ourselves to the Word of God, if we submit ourselves to to understanding, to taking in the Word of God, to understand a foundation of what Scripture is. That's my whole hope this morning is just to to rekindle and revive your heart and your mind for what this book is. That it is God's Word and it is a precious treasure and it is one that works in my life. Because if you can understand those three points, if you can really take those in, it will change the way that you read the Word of God, the way you act upon the Word of God, and the way that you desire the Word of God. It will affect you. And so my prayer as we close is that you would seek the Word, that you would understand its value and its treasure. And oh, there are many things that compete in our culture and in our churches to take priority over God's Word. Would we stand firm on this foundation that it is Scripture alone that is our authority for life, faith, and practice.